Are you trying to start a podcast but are struggling with the process? Well, you're in the right place now. Contact one of us at Across the Board Sports and we can help you get started through Anchor. We're looking for more podcasters and the best place to do your show is on Anchor. It is the easiest way to distribute your podcast on all major platforms and it's the most user-friendly website. Contact us and let's begin. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into the latest edition of Across the Cavs. As always, I'm your host, Zach White, except today the only difference is we'll be talking nothing about the Cavs' latest win over the Detroit Pistons because that is not what matters in the basketball world now or will for a long time to come. Yes, the Cavs beat the Pistons by 15. It was a good win, but on Sunday, I'm sure you've all seen the news by now, one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game. Kobe Bryant, along with his daughter Gianna, John Altabelli, and his daughter and his wife, and four others, including a coach and other players on Kobe's daughter's team, all perished in a helicopter accident in Calabasas, California. News came through at 2.45, and I got a text from my mom. She said, I'm so sorry about Kobe. Frown and face emoji, and I'm thinking, what? LeBron passed him in scoring. He said, no, he's dead. And I just think to myself, what? And I go to Twitter, and it's – I don't think I've been able to just go on with my day for about five minutes for just thinking about the impact he had. And obviously, I wasn't a Cavs fan. It's never the biggest Kobe fan until we'll get to – until today's guest coming on in just a moment, and Steven Johnson. One sec, Steven. And I just think back to his last game and I think back to all the playoff runs and now and how he was helping all the young players. He was setting goals for them. He told Giannis to an MVP and look what he just did. He's working with Jason Tatum diligently. His daughter is going to be the next great women's player. And now for not only Kobe, but those eight other people, a sudden end on a foggy Sunday and bring on Steven Johnson, who Steven, we watched that game together, but first off, tell me how you're doing. Uh, right now it's in life and then how you feel about uh kobe and how this has affected you yeah thanks for inviting me on the pod uh zach always good to talk with you about basketball anything um yeah i'd say i mean i had a similar experience with you in terms of like finding out about this um it's like 2 30 like sunday afternoon um just kind of going about my afternoon doing homework uh my friend from school um at university of southern maine right now senior year uh, my friend Colin, who's a very big basketball nut uh, here at school, just like me, just like you. Uh, we talk about Celtics, basketball a lot. We watch games together. Yeah. And so he texts me like like 2.30, 2.45, same time around you that you got your text from your mom. Uh, he sends me uh, this article, this headline from TMZ. This is Kobe Bryant passes away. And I'm just like, this this can't be true. Like, it's TMZ. Like, it's not credible. Yep. Like there's no way this is like what's actually happening. So then I go on Twitter, same as you, like Twitter's often a place. I mean, I check for updates, like insights, like news about the NBA. It's like also often a place I like go to just to process news and information. So I go on Twitter and like, I follow so many like writers, journalists, uh, people in the NBA and there's all, they're reacting the same way. Like, Oh God, like this can't be true. Like, there's no way this is happening right now. And so we're all like kind of holding our breath together of like just waiting for an update, uh, something to say that this hasn't really happened. But then 
like when Woj has that tweet, I'm just like, oh my god, like that's when just the shock started to hit, and just like all these like emotions that have like um, been trying to process the past few days, and um, I think it's 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 been a tough past few days. I think that um, the first 24 hours were predominantly kind of like grief and like this sadness and just being kind of frozen. Um, but the past few days, it's just like, I think it's, it's been helpful to like go into the sense of appreciation about the player he was and the person on like Instagram, on Twitter. Cause like house of highlights or sports center, ESPN, they're like constantly po- posting like all these, uh, these highlights, these moments, uh, these interviews with him, um, tributes from like other players from teams from the league. And it kind of helps to like have this kind of communal experience where like everyone is kind of going through it the same way you are. And it's like, I mean, I'm just reacting like this as a fan who's been really impacted by him and just his presence in the league. But um, those people that are actually playing with him that like idolized him, that like started this journey to professionalism because of him and like have had relationships with him, like, seeing their emotion, but also seeing their strength and like still going on about the games and everything, despite all this has happened. It's been, um, it's been, it's been cathartic in a way. It's been inspiring. And uh, it's still definitely, it's a shock, but you know, I'm at a point where I think it helps a lot. The process is to talk about it. Um, For sure. I'm at a a place too, that like, um, I'm just so, I don't know. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't say excited, but just kind of anticipating uh, the game tomorrow night, Lakers back in the Staples Center. Oh the Blazers. Just like how like emotional it's going to be. And also just how I think just powerful it's going to be to see all the fans and the players. And I just, I know it's like what LeBron has proved over time is like, he can take, um, moments like difficult and like proud and all all this and really have it as a point of strength to like be an even better player and performer and so I just I'm just ready to root for the Lakers as hard as I can tomorrow night and the rest of the season and uh just just use that as a way to like keep his memory alive you know yeah so I personally, so I, I mean, this has been a lot. Every time I see any post about it, maybe I retweet it, save it in my bookmarks. I, every 10, 15 minutes, you're getting a new anecdote, you're getting a new story. And the first one I think about, I'll list a few, is Joel Embiid. And he wore 24, I believe, in the team the last game, at least in warm-ups, I think. For the actual game, and I remember he hit the turnaround jump shot for 24. And I mm-hmm. remember thinking back, I mean, I know he and Pascal Siakam have both become stars. Both came through the likes, you know, of Cameroon to get to the pros. You think about Embiid and the way he plays, and he really is a seven-foot Kobe. I mean, he's never going to be the same shooter he was. He's never going to hit the same shots. But you watch his footwork. And the way he fakes. And while I don't always condone it as acceptable for a 20-something-year-old NBA player to constantly get in players' mentions and DMs and just try and trash talk nonstop after wins, basically, and now I'm thinking this for the first time, is he's kind of like the modern version but a different style. He's not going to say it to your face 
But if he owns you, like he, he owns Andre Drummond, I'm not, I can't, the first, me think of some guy. Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside, yep. And he'll, he'll post about it online and said they're soft. They're soft like gummy bears. They're soft like toilet paper. I own real estate in their heads. And it's obviously not the same, but you think about how he inspired guys to just compete. And you think about Carmelo Anthony, who he's only seven years, he only came into the league seven years after him. But I think the way he watched him first, and he was, he was 10 when Kobe debuted. And think about how he yells on every rebound. Where do you think he gets that fire from? Yeah, I mean, I think that, a group like very heavily affected by all this is, is LeBron, of course, but I'm thinking of players that played with him in the Olympics in 08. Like I think of, I mean, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, like Dwayne Wade in terms of like, like player and style, I think is maybe the most accurate comparison to Kobe. I think that like, just in terms of being in the same position, I think that Embiid is like, that's a really great analogy too, in terms of like their personality and like their trash talk and, um, all this about them. I mean, with Embiid, um, I forget the name of the program. It might be like uh, NBA Discovers or Abroad or something like that, where um, they go to third world countries and they do some scouting. They look to like find players that could like have a lot of potential coming to the league. And I know that Embiid, like Kobe, was like the first player that he really watched, and he was absolutely a person that inspired him to like really give the NBA potential as a shot. And I mean, look where he is now. And I just, I can't even imagine how many people in like the NBA and just fans have been in a similar boat. I know it's a lot of people. I, I know that me, just like my interest in the NBA playing is a lot contributed to him as a player. And I think that, I don't know, like all the guys in the Olympics, like they had a better season after they played with him, like LeBron. Yep. Um, was that a LeBron MVP year? I believe it was one of – he won four out of five, and I do want to say that that was his final year in Cleveland, I yeah. think, and I do believe he won it that year. Yeah, yeah. right, because it was – yeah, last year Cleveland year is first then, and then 2012-2013. Uh, yep, um, he did. Right. He did. And one other thing, and you mentioned D. Wade, and I can just remember where my train of thought was just going on. A lot lot to take in. No, okay. So there had been rumors, first off, that Rick Fox, I don't even know who started this, that Rick Fox was also aboard the helicopter, which came completely out of nowhere. And then I remember, uh, do you happen to see Shaq's, uh, what Shaq had to say, Stephen? Oh, yeah. That, so... He was there, and he was talking about what he said, and he had saw what he had seen a tweet. I think it was his, his nephew that was showing him a tweet. He's like, "Get," he said, "Get that phone out of my face." He couldn't process it. You know, he says, "You know, you see this BS all the time," and then he's calling Rick Fox after he sees that, and he's not answering, and he's worried, and he's worried, and he talks about it and how Kobe met, and they haven't even they didn't speak after that. We we were watching together. It'll be our next top. We won't get there yet, but Kobe's last game. He and Shaq were, you know, he was there that night, but that turned out to be the last time they spoke. And now, and this seems to be the case with a lot of people, uh, they're treating the last time they see any loved one like the last time they see them. And they're saying, I love you on the last time they see them. And to see Shaq like that and to see him break down more and, and, and you know, the, uh, with the TNT crew, he says, and I wish we, we hung out more, we did this. It just kind of, Kobe basically 
has inspired the entire generation of people that grew up around him in basketball and off the court to something that we don't ever do enough, and that's value the life that we do have for the time being. I don't know if that's ever happened with the passing of an individual before. Yeah, I mean, I think with – I just – I have, like, just respect, appreciation for, like, I think a lot of the vulnerability that's been expressed, like, over processing this. I think Shaq especially, it's like um, – it's, like, pretty soon after he starts talking, you can just see and feel the emotion in him. And, like, uh, I mean, he has had so many people that have passed in his life that he shares. I mean yeah, – sister recently. Uh, yeah, especially his sister, like, a few months ago. And I remember, like, um, just the love and support and emotion he had over that just a few months earlier. And so for this to happen, you know, it can be really tragic how events like this can happen, like, close to each other. And I know this happened for plenty of other people, celebrity or not. And so, you know, I think it's a sense of, like, embracing of the community and, like, sharing it together and, like, reliving, like, uh, the good moments, but still, like, giving the time necessary for like the the more difficult emotions uh uh the sadness and grief uh the sense of loss and um i mean as you're saying too about just the the impact he had on so many people i mean i'm thinking even the past few years about how like um he transitioned really i'd say like after his final lakers championship like 2010 he transitioned more from this like cutthroat ruthless kind of personality and trash talking to someone that was more kind of diplomatic and someone who like kind of uh rebuilt his image a lot as someone who was more of an ambassador and i think that he always had that like he always inspired a lot of people through his play and his work ethic and his driven mama mentality but i think there's another layer to it and like the second like phase of his career where he really like he really built bridges with a lot of people and he really uh, was like, he was a mentor um, his years like off the court uh, in retirement. I mean, he uh, would mentor like Jason Tatum is someone that really like stands out to me. Um, yep. I just think of how many like countless players have like um, sat out of games the past few days, like totally understandably. But I think especially those that have been really close to him. Like I know Chris Paul, uh, Tatum, um, Kyrie he carried up the arena yeah right away yep and yeah I mean yeah it's still just it's a lot to process and yeah so then Stephen this is a great time to on a more positive note this is the only NBA game I don't think I've ever gone in my life since I became a basketball fan during the season, four days without watching a second of live ball. I've set a hard time. Um, before, Right before, I'll just say this, then we'll move right on. I was listening to the Cavs game on the radio against uh, it was Detroit on uh, Monday night, driving over to play basketball in the men's league that I'm in. And I, I figure, okay, there's going to be the 24-second violation tribute in eight seconds, which is just beautiful that the numbers even line up like that. And I'm ready for it, and I'm listening to the game. And as soon as I actually hear it happening and the announcers describing it, I don't know how to explain this. I've been watching the Cavaliers for 18 seasons, 17 seasons. And this is the first time I ever did not care about the outcome of the game. And that's the last time I've listened to any basketball. It's just never happened to me before. That's just 
So let that weigh. That is how much this has personally affected me as a basketball fan. I mean, it's one guy I didn't always cheer for, but he, the impact he's had on everybody just makes rooting for a team to win, knowing that somehow he, he's either, he's, he can't mentor these guys, he can't talk to these guys. It's just tough. But on that note, Stephen, you were with me. Jazz versus Lakers. Yeah. What? We can start with how the game began. And this was also the same night the Warriors are trying to make history and go 73-9. and Which gets pushed in ESPN, too. That's Which is given, like, um, a spot where they break this, like, long-standing, unbeatable, like, 73-win record. But yep. that's still second to what we watched. Yeah. And it's – that was something I don't think – I think I watched that game for maybe 30 seconds. You're with me anyway. It was April 13th, 2016. The Lakers won the game 101-96, and no one's going to remember the fact that the Jazz had been 40-40, and and if they won their last two games, they would have made the playoffs. That's that's for a whole nother day. And they, they This game had no meaning. Rudy Gobert was not playing for them. Derek Trey Favors. Burke, nope, no Favors, no Alec Burks, no Trey Burke. Anyway, they did have your, your guy, former Celtic, Chris Johnson, but – that's that's not that's not important today. Hayward too, but yeah, Chris that's Johnson. right, that's right. Yeah, Gordon Hayward and it, I know this, Hayward tweeted out that um, he he was really trying as hard as he could. I think we'll explain yeah. the context of that in a bit. Yeah, and but yeah. he tweeted, yeah, he tweeted out that like he gave it all he had. I think that there's some expectation that like he and the team were pulling back, but yeah. he tweeted out that like out of respect to Kobe. Like yeah. Kobe would have wanted him to try as hard as he could. He's always a competitor, and so that's what he did. So it wasn't like they were just handing the no. Lakers this game. You know? No, and I also remember before we dive into the game, I I read something from Gordon Hayward. I think it was a year. I had no idea this was a thing. A year after this happened, I think it was the following off season, the one where he would eventually pick the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And Gordon Hayward wrote about this experience and what it was. I can't say I remember a ton of what he said. Uh, of his from what he wrote about his experience and we always wonder what it was like to be a jazz player on that day and kind of talked about how win or lose they knew it was going to be Kobe's night and Mm. this game uh, he was up and he was down he took 50 shots he took 21 threes D'Angelo Russell Roy Hibbert was on the starting lineup that night Julius Randle Jordan Clarkson Ryan I mean he was um he missed his first, uh, I think it was five or six shots. So yeah, like six he was, minutes he was into cold. the first quarter, it's so hyped up, and he hasn't scored a single point, you know? But mm-hmm. then he drops, uh, he goes on a run, of course, as he always has. He drops 15 by the end of the quarter. Um, this hype's starting to build. Um, he adds on like seven or eight, quarter two. And I still, I'm sure you remember this too, how Mike Tirico, Hubie Brown, are like, man, he. what if he puts up like 50 shots tonight? Or like... <laughs> or, like, saying, like, there's no way he scores 50 points here. Like, it's never going to happen. Yeah. And, and like, then? And I know I insisted on this. I don't know if he did, too. But I'm like, he's scoring 50. Like, yeah, he's definitely, like, this is going to happen. Like, I think the doubt, like, adds into it more, you know? And so, then, I mean, quarter three, um, he scores 15 more. Totals, like, 38. And then, then quarter four, man. That was, that's where it paid off. I mean, um, yep. He starts out like 38, and he hits 40, then he hits 50, and everyone's going crazy at that number. And like the Lakers are still down, like they're down by 11 going into the into the quarter, and so yeah. and they were down 10 of... with what, two two and a half, barely over two. They were two minutes. They were still down by 10. Yep, down by 10, and then Kobe 
he goes on this run, this incredible stretch where he drops like it's like thirteen straight points, like unanswered, and yep. single handedly like, gets him back in the game, down by one, forty seconds left, has a ball. Julius Randle sets a high screen. Yeah, goes around it to the left, slithers back to the right, and then he hits a shot. And <laughs> man, I lost. We lost it when that happened, man. Yeah. It was, Trey Lyles had no chance. Even if he <laughs> wanted to, that could have, that would have been the greatest shot block. Other than well, at this point in history, it would have qualified as the greatest block shot ever because. <laughs> It's his last game. Yeah. He's got, I think he had 56 before that shot went up. Yep. And then Trey Lyles is just like, oh, you're on this run? Oh, that's cute. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it would have been a really cold play. It would have been ruthless. But I think that's a good summary of the block in general, where it's like, it's not a, it's not a gracious stat. You're like, you're going to shoot and I'm not going to let you, you know? And so. That's a great point where, like, if he <laughs> if he blocked that, I mean, it'd still be an incredible run, and it'd be, it'd be hard to be disappointing, you know? Like, I think that's a good way of describing, like, um, the first, like, five or six shots he missed in the first quarter. Like, he had so many shots rewatching the game that were, like, like in the cylinder, but, like, didn't go in. Like, yeah. Did you rewatch it Monday night? I caught the second half. Yeah, it was... Yeah, because I heard it was, like, that afternoon, it's, like, being replayed, and I'm, like, okay, like, I have to check this out, and, like, just reliving it was crazy, just, like, it, you know, it's kind of, like, it's four years ago, but it just seems like you can tell how different it is, like, Kanye's there, and he looks, like, really normal, you know, he's, like, having, like, these reasonable (laughs) reactions to everything, which is uh, crazy given the past few years with him, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, it just, like, because we freaked out when that last shot was hit. But I know that, like, we had this anticipation, this excitement that was, like, building and building, especially that last stretch where it's, like, it's yeah, a that... sense of, like, there's no way he hits another one. But at the same time, it's, like, you're kind of expecting it, too. And so when it pays off, it's just, like, it was and, incredible. And looking at the box score, so interesting. In the first, I'm just, I'll give you a quarter-by-quarter quarter, team shots to Kobe shots. I got it here on Basketball Reference. First quarter. Kobe is five for 13. The rest of the team is two for nine. Roy Hibbert had the two other field goals in the first quarter. <laughs> we go Q2. Kobe, two for seven. Rest of the team, yeah, Deagle go one for one. Clarkson, two of four. Hibbert didn't shoot. Re- Julius Randle, one for four, played the whole quarter. And then Nance Huertas and Tariq Black all had a basket. Ryan Kelly just kind of moved around for a minute, didn't do anything. <laughs> and we go Q3. Kobe started to get hot. He did miss six of his seven threes, but no free throw attempts. Seven of 14. Took all, most of the shots. D'Angelo Russell took five. Clarkson took one, and Huertas missed his only attempts. So now we go to the fourth, and this is the most interesting thing. They all knew. I don't think we could ever watch another Julius Randle stretch of him going seven and a half minutes without shooting the ball. I like him, but he went seven and a half minutes without an attempt. Clarkson went three for three. I believe they were all layups. Russell missed. Huertas, seven minutes, no shots. He just wants to get the ball to Kobe. Larry Nance had a dunk and a putback, two for two. And I think Tariq Black had a big dunk. That, that was it. He took – he went eight for 16 in total in the fourth, 23 points. And how about Jordan Clarkson, a plus 19 in that quarter. Kobe was plus 14. Kobe was plus 20 for the second half, 15 of 30 in the second half. 
after being minus 13 to 7 to 20 in the first. That just tells you that this guy, Stephen, he's the only player that we're ever going to see. I mean, maybe another guy will come about that's really actually like this. Someone could truly be, hypothetically, over 99, not care at all, dribble through four guys and hit a shot like he's just in his backyard pretending those guys are there and they're not actually there when he shoots it. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the only guys, I mean, to a smaller extent, maybe like, I don't know, like Ray Allen, Steph Curry, where like they can go like over 20 and still hit a three and knock it down. But Kobe, it's he's distinct in the sense of like the uncontested shots. Like that, I think, makes him stand out. And like, I mean, it's sheer production too, but like I was reading about Sass a little bit too. 18 of those shots he made were contested. 18. That means only four uncontested. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Because, I mean, he's being guarded heavily the whole time. And, like, and that's something that I think makes him stand out of, like, just about anyone is that he would go up for a shot no matter who was up in his face, how close the defense was. And he would still – he would knock it down. I mean, was it was it 18 for 40, something like that for his total? 22 for 50. 22 for 50. Wow. Um, which is, like, I mean, he's the only guy <laughs> – Given uh, that game's a little bit of like an exception for like the acceptable number of shots in a way, but yeah, um, just the fact that he'll he'll throw up so many and he'll miss so many, but like that's not going to stop him, you know. And he's one of the only guys where like you're going to keep letting him shoot the ball, and that's been a blessing and a curse with him. It's been um, there's been a big payoff with it in terms of his individual performance, and then what he's able to do for the team, like with that but it's also been a curse too because like it drove Shaq out um kind of I mean wasn't the most favorable among the team like Harden with the Rockets but still that's the thing about Kobe though is that he was like he made it like justifiable you know and like um just that I mean that final game it was it was just incredible because he was at a point where like post Achilles tear in 2014 like, he was really – I mean, he's worn down, like, given that he's going to give it his all, he's going to work as hard as, like, any human possibly could to be in the best shape he could to still do the best he can. But the human body does have its limits. It's limits. Like, if you put in, like, tens of thousands, if not a 100,000 minutes, like, both on the court, like, in a game, workouts, um, just, like, games he played before, like – all all this stuff where it made sense that he was worn down, but still, like, he still had that talent and he still had that work ethic to, like, get there, even when um, even when he was, like, in game 82 of his last season, where it's, like, that's when you figure a player would be worn down the most. But, like, you know, it makes me think of Tim Duncan, too, like that last game he had against the Thunder when he's retiring, where it's just yep. thing of, like, this talent and effort that's still under the surface and they might be holding it back because their body might not hold up, but yeah. And if it's their last shot, one of their last chances, they're going to go all out. I mean, that's, it's the same with like, you know, a lot of players and like their peak, like physical performance and like playoff games, but still like being able to do that at that point in his career. Um, that's part of what made that, that game, that moment so special unbelievable game and, and for Duncan no we're not we're not gonna make about Tim Duncan but I thought it was a playoff game mm-hmm. so and he I remember you think he had, he had over 20 in that day and he even in his worst season in the NBA 
when he was worn down, he managed to average nine and seven with 1.3 blocks while shooting 70% on 130 free throws. That, that was him. They retired the same year, which is hard. We never, we don't think back like that. So he's going to enter the hall with Brian and with KG and, and these guys. And they all just, the Western conference was unbelievable at yeah. those times. Yeah. Number eight, Kobe killing it with the Lakers, but it was so hard to get by when you had, even though KG only made it out of the first round once, that's a six or seven game series every year for Garnett and the Timberwolves. Then you got Tim Duncan in the Spurs. You got Dirk in the Mavs. You got the seven seconds or less sons with Samari and Marion. And you had to get Q Rich for a few years, Roger Bell, Steve Nash. And that's not even it. You had the Rockets, though. They really never had any playoff success. They're always tough. McGrady and Yao not even winning. And then you even had the We Believe Warriors coming in there and just telling Dallas, your 67 wins mean nothing. And that's the era that Kobe was having this playoff success. And obviously, I mean, when they when they beat the Nets the one year and they, they beat Detroit, those runs, you think about how good the teams they're playing are. And it's just unbelievable that he's doing this against the best defenders in the game. That- I mean, one of um, maybe my favorite Kobe moment, if not one of my favorites, was um, g- Game 7, Western Conference Finals, 99. They're playing the Blazers. And given I'm two years old at this point, so I'm not watching the live. <laughs> or if I am, I'm not remembering it. Maybe I'm saying my first words and they're like, Kobe, you know, oh. who knows. But, <laughs> wow. yeah, so just seeing the highlights and, like, um, so it's Game 7. Games down to the wire. NBC, when they still had games broadcast nationally, Bob Costas on the mic. Um, Kobe's guarded by Pippen. Um, top of the key, he, like, crosses him up, drives to the paint. Two or three guys jump at him because it's Kobe Bryant going yep. to the bucket. And then he throws it up. Shaq gets it, lobs it down. And I've, I've rewatched that clip, like, 15 times in the past, like, like 24 hours even just because it's like i mean that's an infamous shack reaction of like he has this bewildered excited look on his face and his arms behind him and he's running down the court and just like the call and like how it just synchronizes and just the fans going crazy and it was just like wow it's just i think just highlights like that are just i like that moment was just really i just have all this joy and excitement of watching that but given this context of like you're a Laker fan. You're watching this live. You're in Staples Center. You're idealizing him. And you have moments like that with Kobe just repeat and repeat over time. And that's that's the kind of player he was. And so to get that in his final game, his final moments, was just like, it's just a perfect ending note. Uh, you, know, you know, Shaq was also in that play. He was pointing to Sharif yeah. in the stance. That, that I... I that image is ingrained in my head forever. They were down 20 in the fourth quarter of that game. And I think that was the first time in playoff history a team rallied at this point from 20 down in the fourth to win, let alone a game that decides who's going to the NBA finals. So that, yeah, I mean, that was uh, they played the Pacers that year, right? Yep. And because that's when, or wait, no, I'm yeah, no, that's first 99 2000 first finals year, right. And, I mean, that's when Kobe really proves himself, too. Like, against Reggie Miller, you know, that's no easy feat. And the game before the Lakers won, I have Kobe's game log from that finals. There was a game they lost by 33, wow. and that made it 3-2. 
And, it, and then they come home to L.A. Kobe shoots 8 for 27, but finishes with 26, 10, and 4, 8 of 9 free throws. They win. And that's a Kobe. I may have. I was Kobe, actually. I, did, I was unaware of this. Kobe did not play game three in Indiana. I may have gotten a hurt. I'd never heard of this. In game two, he, he only played eight minutes. And then he comes back after missing two games. He plays 47 minutes. He puts up 28 points on 14 baskets, all twos for that matter, and they win. That's, wow. that's basically Kobe. Misses two games, doesn't miss a beat, has a game score, has his highest game score of the finals. Just everything he does combined with his mistakes put into his total given of 18 Three turnovers in 47 minutes, 14 to 27. No free throws. They weren't giving him calls. He was just hitting jump shots, and they win by two. That's that's Kobe in a nutshell. I think especially, like, given, like, a first, like, really breakout finals run like that, like, there's definitely this bias of, I think, refs where it's, like, you get the superstar treatment once you've really proved yourself, once you've been that level for a while. But I mean, when you're still on that rise to it, you're not you're not getting those calls. You're it's almost like the refs are like against you in a way. And so as you're saying, like I mean, putting that up when just the odds are against you, like the refs and like just um sitting out for practically two games, I mean yeah, there's something. And his his career was so legendary. Not only we're gonna get to this later. Not only have we had 11 players change their number in the last 48 hours, we just had an all-star game change two weeks before the game, Stephen. Yeah. The new rule now, you play three quarters. And for the fourth quarter, the team in the lead needs to get 24 more. That's the set number to finish the game. And honestly, I couldn't think of a better way not only to honor him, and make the all-star game relevant again, but to give the new competitive fire to the all-star game that's been lacking, something that Kobe, Kobe was always great in the all-star game. He looks great in those Western Conference jerseys, no matter whether it was a Laker jersey. Four MVPs. Four all-star game MVPs. I got that right. Four all-star game MVPs. One for all four letters of his name. And (laughs) I I love this rule. I love it. I think that, like, being able to change it up like that is an ode to him, you know? Like, I think that it's going to be powerful to – I mean, I think that players are going to be getting into the shift on their own in a sense of, like, going from processing it to, like, using it as an empowering kind of thing to, like, play play the best they can in memory of him, you know? And so I think that those new rules, like, definitely cement that, you know? Because, like, you're going to be thinking of it every moment. I mean, um, like – I mean, LeBron being the captain, you know, like, I think that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was something where, like, I don't know, a lot of them wear Lakers jerseys or something like that, or they wear 24, like, because, I mean, we keep seeing that, like, um, I think the Pistons came out, and they were all wearing 24 as a warm-up jersey, and then, as you mentioned before, Embiid actually wore 24 for a game. Trey Young wore 8 for a game. And went off. Yeah, and went, went off. I mean, that was really... That was one of the first, like, kind of player interviews I remember seeing. Like, that was – that might have been – was that the night? Sunday night, I think? Yes. Yeah, where he – um because it was really – I think that it was one of Kobe's daughters. I don't know if it was Gigi or another one who said that, like, 
Trey Young was your favorite player. That was so, GG, and that's why yeah. I started watching Trey Young. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, just, I mean, that's another point, too, where, like, players changing their numbers, not just, like, for a game or two, but permanently. I mean, I know that uh, it's Quinn Cook. Was it either, was it 81 that he changed it to? Or was that 28 because 28. I, something to do, I believe it had something to do with, uh, I have to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check right now. I'm going to pull this up, but keep, mm-hmm. keep going. I'll, I'll get there. Yes. I mean, Quinn Cook and like, um, I think it was, uh, I mean, Mark Cuban said for the maps that 24 never going to be worn again. Um, I think. Dinwiddie, number eight, I think. Yep, he's 26 he, now. Yeah, he gives up his number. It's like in a, a respect for that. Uh, oh, I have it here. So, Quinn Cook is per Shams, and what uh, Cook said, he's becoming 28 because Gigi was two and Kobe was eight. Man, yeah. Un- unbelievable. Because, I mean, Gigi number two, like UConn, like that that relationship that was like Gigi's like main, I think source of inspiration is like a woman's, a woman's team and this empowerment of like, and UConn's the most, they're the most successful, I think women's sports team that I can think of like women's national soccer team right up there too. But yeah. Oh, UConn easy. Yeah. Easy. UConn, like they, was it a four year winning streak? Roughly that. Yeah. Over a, more than a hundred games. Yeah. And so just this like, this excellence with UConn and then this relationship that Kobe and Gigi had with that team. I mean, they were present so often in that locker room and with that team. And I mean, they retired her Jersey. This was before the passing of, of Kobe and Gigi and the seven others happened where, you know, Jersey is already retired. And so they have that tribute of her Jersey and the seed and the flowers. And uh, it's, it's still like, we're talking about where we're living and talking about the players have reacted, how we've reacted, but I still have so many moments where it doesn't, it doesn't feel real. Like it doesn't feel like this has actually happened. You know, it's like, it's, I don't, for me, it's just, it's weird. Cause it's like, I'll just like, I'll be going on about my day, like doing different things with friends and stuff like that. And then I'll just see on Twitter or wherever. And it just kind of, it hits me again, you know, that like, um, I think that I think when I see the Lakers play tomorrow night, like that's that's when it's it's like I'm not it's gonna be with me like forever going forward, you know? Like yep. it's not there's still a lot of sadness and loss with it, but I think it's like um just cementing in my mind and like trying to see the positives and remember like how people are paying respect to him, you know, like that that game to tomorrow night is going to be something else. Can't imagine the first off the tribute and then actually playing. And Colby originally, he wasn't going to be there. He was going to be at Carmelo's game uh, for Portland, and they had talked. And now I can't imagine uh, the Lakers game. I, first, I, I don't know what LA is going to look like tomorrow. Like, but then Carmelo's supposed to have him in the crowd, and now he has to watch the game from above. He, he's not going to be there. In actuality, he's not going to be there in the flesh. And obviously, L.A. is going to be – it's – I don't know how they're going to come out. I, I can imagine 
that anything to do, I, I think they're going to get cheering on shot clock violations from now on, honestly. <laughs> but I think about Carmelo and his fantastic season, and obviously it hasn't been public. I'm sure Kobe's talked to him at least a little bit. They were close. I mean, the whole Banana Boat crew of Carmelo, Wade, Paul, and LeBron all had some special relationship with Kobe through the Olympics, through the All-Star Games, through, through life, and... He's supposed to be there. It's Carmelo's big year. I'm sure he hasn't had a chance to watch me. I said it's going to be a big thing. And now, that's it. Yeah. I think that, yeah, Carmelo being there, especially for any of that game, I mean, him and and LeBron and just like, I don't know. I think of, <laughs> I think of uh, LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, like, uh, big three talks with playing with the U.S. team. You think Kobe might have been involved with that? With the big three coming together in Miami? Yeah. And so he'd get new com- – oh. Like, not necessarily, like, facilitating it, but, like mm, – I feel like, no. I feel like that's just – LeBron at this time is ringless – for seven years, and I think that's something else where he just really wants to catch up to Jordan. He saw Jordan teams up with Pippen, and they didn't really – Rodman was great, but you wouldn't call him part of the big three. He was the rebounding machine, and he was the hustle guy, but he's not part of the big three. I think what LeBron wanted was other guys to make sure he caught up to Jordan, I think. And at this point, Kobe had, I think, three rings. He won when LeBron left, and it was LeBron's – no, wait. It's uh, three rings – um, before, I think, going into the 08 Olympics. Right, and then he won the two, and then, right, right, right. His last one was the two, was beating Orlando. Mm-hmm. Okay. But no, I don't think that was ever... Wait, the last one is beating Boston. Oh, that's right. They beat Orlando, yeah. and then they beat... They beat Orlando in 08, 09, and Boston 2009, 2010. Can we talk about... Talk about, like, 2010... Game seven for a second, like yeah, how like contentious that I mean that whole series the Celtics Lakers is up have been so often over time, especially those like oh eight to ten stretch of like and oh eight was like a very close series and uh, twenty ten even more so like and you talk about game seven in any playoff series in any sport, much less the championship series, like that's when you know like how much pressure there is, how close it's been. And it's really coming down to the wire. I mean, uh, as a Celtics fan, um, I would say that, like, at times, um, they're like, Kendrick Perkins not being there, like, that was tough. But it, like, that we lost because of that. But really, it's, there's often arguments of, did a team lose a game or a team won a game? And I, I do really think that Kobe's performance is what helped them win that game is, like, any Lakers championship, almost any Lakers game has been in the 20 year span of his career there. But yep. I remember that because he was like Celtics were had such intensity on him and he was, he was shooting and doing well, but he was also like at a point where he talks to Phil Jackson and Jackson's like, okay, Kobe, like the right thing to do here is like, you know what it is. Like you just got to do it. And so, it's like last play, um, Kobe's like double team, triple teamed, passes it to Ron Artest, who might be Meta World Peace. At he is Meta World, yeah, he is Meta World Peace at this time. And he knocks it down, and that's something too. In um, 
his final game, like given he's putting up 50 shots, but it might not be that significant because numbers are small, but like he has some good assists. Like he has some good, like behind the back passes, you know, people will be wide open and um, yeah. The last thing Kobe ever did was an assist to Jordan Clarkson. Ever. Right. I mean that, um, there were some good, like powerful moments in there. Of, like Clarkson's dunk, like Randall's dunk, Tariq, Black had a really insane block, yeah. too. Um, I don't know if it was Hayward or uh, um, Ralph Nato or uh, some role player like that. But... I think it might have been Jeff Withy, too, going. I, I saw it. It might have been Rodney Hood. It could have been anyone anyway. Mm-hmm. But I have the box score. Act- fun, funny fact, Colby actually only shot 6 of 24 in this game 7. Yep. He shot 1 of 4 in the fourth quarter, but 8 of 9 at the free throw line. And... You know what the the fun the fun thing about this whole game was? Yeah. You know how many shots Kobe took in Game Seven of 2010? How many? 24. <laughs> he took 24 shots for his of final course. title. And yes, he only made six of them. But that's <laughs> man. Wow. He also had a plus minus of zero, and he scored 23. So he scored MJ's number on on his own number, on his number of shot attempts. But if, if only like, he was eight for 24. That, man. And you know what else? I'm just going to say, and they didn't miss Perkins in this game. Yeah. Uh, Bynum, Bynum did nothing. Bynum didn't play the fourth. It was all about Lamar. I think Rasheed Wallace, who he had that late three, Rasheed finished the game with 11 points, eight rebounds, and two blocks. I don't think that this this is the last non-Kobe part, and I like your take as well. He ended up – I remember he fouled out late. Glenn Davis is only reserved to go over five minutes in this game. It was all starters, rightfully mm-hmm. so. But I don't think Perkins would have had the same impact that, that Rasheed did. I think Rasheed Wallace starting, giving him all those minutes, was actually better for this one game. You get a guy that can draw – not only draw Bynum away, but is a, even in his old age is quicker to rotate than Perkins was. Mm-hmm. So – yeah, and I think that I don't know. It might have been like, like, would you say Perkins had a better like defensive ability than Rasheed? I mean, oh, no doubt, no doubt. So I think that was, I think that was part of it, you know, because like, I mean, given Rasheed like eleven points, like eight rebounds, like those those are good stats. A few blocks too, but like, I think the key in that was a defensive like aid to KG. I mean, Pierce and Ray Allen and Rondo are like they're. I mean, it was a top-notch defensive team too. But just that, I think that extra, that extra player to really round it out. That's what I think made the Celtics so powerful in that three-year stretch. That Ubuntu kind of. Um, I mean, really like five years, but um, I think it was that defensive ability and given Kobe six or twenty-four without Perkins. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a tough. <laughs> It was a tough loss, so one of my most heartbreaking moments in sports. But that was that was part of the power of Kobe. That love him or hate him as a player, he would elicit these strong emotions out of you. He was in a, it's kind of this emotional experience of like, um, you would love him, you would adore him for all the shots and moments he had, or you would be really upset and just like, how is this guy still doing this on the court right now, like? He can re- really do whatever he wants, and that's the most frustrating thing as a fan 
because you're watching. And it was like LeBron, like um, game six, 2012, where it's just like, there's nothing you can do to stop this player. And so many times with Kobe, where as a fan, it almost, you're still hoping for the best. You're still cheering. You're still rooting for victory, but it, it there's this twinge of like it being futile, you know, because it's yep. like, because it, it can just fall apart if Kobe goes off. And yeah. It was, you know, it was something. And final real topic here, Stephen, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts on this would be. I mean, we've seen it from Mason Plumley, Zaire Smith, Mo Harkless, Alec Burks, Terrence Ross, Spencer Dinwiddie among them, Julie Okafor, and Mie Oni, who went to Yale as well, switched. He's wearing 81 now, which I love. And if you were a player right now in the NBA and you were wearing 8 or 24, would you wear that number to honor him or would you switch your number to let him know that that's his number, not your, not mine, and just switching? I think it – I don't know. I could see it either way. Um, I could see it as, like, I know Kemba's been interviewed about it, whether he'll change his number. And he said he's likely going to keep it as, like, an honor to him. Yep. And I think that I like it more – I like it more as an honor, you know? I know that, like, like NHL, they've ha- they've retired 99 league-wide is, like, respect to Wayne Gretzky. And – but I think with the NBA, you know, I mean – think of how many players have won 23 overtime because of Jordan. And I think that that's going to be Kobe's ripple effect on this generation for teams that like, I mean, the Mavericks are like one and Lakers too, of course, or like that Jersey's kind of being retired now, 24. But I mean, think of how many players going forward, how many rookies, how many future college players, how many players in the league right now are changing their number, I think to honor him. And I think, I think I'd go for that over changing the number away from him because I think they're both powerful moves, but I think that seeing the number again and again and that resonating is like a fan and remembering why it's being worn, you know? Yep. Because with, I mean, LeBron in 23, that's what's happened a lot with him and Jordan. I mean, given LeBron has his own, like, era and strengths and, like, plenty of things that have defined him as his own player. And I think that's going to be what it is too with Kobe going forward, but still to see someone like wear that jersey and do what they did. I mean, that's, that's what I value more. I think I would do the same. I mean, I respect the heck out of all these people that have, you know, Dinwiddie was born eight for a number of years and, Terrence Ross wore 31 prior to this year. He switched to eight for this year. Then obviously switching back, but respect to all these guys for doing it. And the ones that are keeping it, Buddy Heald, I know you think he's going to keep 24. We'll see what happens with Lowry Mark when he gets healthy, what he chooses to do. And it's going to be interesting for sure to see if any other guys do it. Cause there are still, there were 22 players in the league pre-Jordan Clarkson trade, so 21 that were wearing number eight, and now 10 of them have switched. That's 12 players Mm. that still wear the number eight. So we'll see what ultimately ends up happening. And now, Stephen, we talking about Kobe a lot and the impact he's had. So for a closing thought, when you think about Kobe Bryant as a player, as a human being, as a, you know, say as a girl dad, which has been just really going around, started with Ellie Duncan and her take from ESPN on what Kobe said about being a father of four girls, not having that son. 
when you think about Kobe Bryant, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're lying down, you're on a train, you're on a bus, you're driving, you're just thinking, what's the first thing that comes to mind that you remember Kobe by? And I think he was so omnipresent, you know, he had his hands in so many things, fields, players, culture, L.A. Um, I think Mamba mentality is definitely up there, but I think that it's really been something that I think has shifted over the past few days, this past week of thinking about him as a player and to him as a father. I think that is what I think the most powerful thing of like players, um, like reporters. I mean, like Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy found like all these uh, people that talk about him, you know, they talk about him as a person and like above like everything else about him. I mean, he was, he was so curious. He was always trying to learn about everything. I mean, listen to a Bill Simmons pod where Kobe, had um, heard Bill Simmons on NBA Countdown talking about leadership, a book he read, and um, all this stuff. And so Kobe, like, calls up Bill Simmons. He texts him, and Bill Simmons is like, like, Kobe says this anonymous number, like, hey, it's Kobe. want to talk with you about leadership and all this stuff. And Bill Simmons is like, no way. Get out of here. <laughs> and then Kobe um, uses an expletive or two. I'm not sure if this is an expletive-approved podcast or not. It is not, but you okay, can. Okay, so I'll stay you away can, from that. You can spell the word using the apostrophe, using the um, – using the most, if you like to, to, to talk about the first and last letter number of digits, I, you know how I, I get your point. That sounds pretty – so he Pretty says, don't be, don't be a, and then a word synonymous with groin. Uh, don't <laughs> be like a, don't be a, oh, like wow. don't be a, don't be a Richard. Synonymous, or it's like something, don't be uh, something you. like Boston, like blank head or something like that. Yeah, where it's yeah. just like, it's vulgar, it's ridiculous. And so Kobe calls him up and then they talk for a bit and then phone call ends. And Bill Simmons is like, I really like this. Like, I want to write about this. And Kobe's just like, you will never speak of this or write about this to anyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> given, I mean, the Kobe's passing, it's a way to remember him and talk about it. Um, and I bet Bill has his blessing. But um, just like I've seen, I today I've, I've read a lot of articles and places here and there. And Shea Serrano uh, wrote a really powerful piece about him as a father. Like Shea is writing about how, um, being a father in himself about how he wants to protect his kids, tell him it's going to be okay, even when it's not. And um, something that Draymond Green is talking about um, is about like those, it's, it's really, it's a tough place to go and to think about, but like those final moments of him and that above all else to think that he was shielding and protecting his daughter, no matter what. And I think that's a very, like, poignant thing for this generation of fathers and people to, like, think about doing no matter what it takes to support your kids. And I think above all else, I mean, he was curious and intelligent. He knew multiple languages. He was, like, he was witty and sharp and funny. Like, Conan, Jimmy Kimmel, they played these interviews with him. Um, I mean... <laughs> I yeah. remember a month ago, it's uh, Doncic inbounding in Staples Center, and he hears someone trash-talking him in Slovenia, and he's thinking, like, 
who would know Slovenian, much less trash talk to me? And he turns back and it's Kobe. It's like, it's just, <laughs> he was just, he was such a personality and enigma. And given his life hasn't been perfect, I know that Colorado, some stuff has happened with him and he's not an entirely perfect figure. But I think that what stands out the most about him is like, I think him as a father and him as a mentor. And, I think that it's just so tough because I think with basketball, the NBA players can wear his number. They can pay tribute to him. They can do shot clock violations, change rules. But um, with his wife and his kids, that's something where they can pay tribute. But it's just this heartbreaking loss that they have. And I think about all he did for his family and like just seeing that's some posts that have gotten me the most is like seeing him just like just being a dad with his kids. Like, I think I don't know her name, but the most recent daughter he's had. Capri. Like, yeah. Just, he, <laughs> he has this thing where like he had like a piece of paper and like a pamphlet in his mouth and his daughter's with him. And he's just like, he's like braying like a, like a horse and just, taking it up and down and she's like months old but then he'll hand it to her and she's doing the same thing and it's just like I think of how much those girls have taken from him I mean uh, Gigi with like her as a basketball player but just like I mean all his daughters and it's just I think that I'm gonna think of him in memory positively for all that he's done um but, you know that's that's still there too you know and that's why i think it's all the more important to like honor who he was and the player he was and the impact he had on so many others you know and for sure yeah i think back uh closing remarks i think back on kobe as uh, the, the word i that came to mind when i asked you the question and listening to you is transcendence and there haven't been many well transcendent as the word athletes over time we had we had michael who my mj created a path for so many and what he did with his inspiration his killer work ethic the fight with steve kerr in practice and then you have lebron who's inspired by mj and now kobe bryant he was only 41 he if he never suffers the injury in 2012 2013 uh, the ACL tear, he's averaging 28 a game. He's playing 37 minutes a night. He's 35 years old. He's been in the league 18 years, and he's still going. That Chris Not- Paul trade, too, if that happened? That happened. Yeah, they got they got one or two more rings minimum, and that's yeah. that. And we think on going back to transcendence, and I think of Kobe, once he retired, you never really think about what an athlete's going to do in their retirement. Kobe wasn't really an actor. He, he dabbled in music, just writing diss tracks about Shaq back in the day, and he, two years later, wins an Oscar for a short film, Dear Basketball. He's got his daughter's team going from losing to a team to beating them by 88. He's got an energy drink that's climbing the ranks of all of them. He's giving goals to the next generation. He's giving them all challenges. He's finally supporting his Eagles, who he watched win their first ever Super Bowl. So I'm very happy that that they got that chance to do that while he was alive two years ago. And he's just, he's everywhere. 
He's spending the time with the family, but he's still working his tail off. This is probably never going to happen. There are rumors of him going to big three. So his basketball career, in a sense, could have come back. He he just did so much. And I remember every any guy that suffered the injury he did. I know Julius Randle, they were teammates. He got broke his foot in his first ever game. missed the full year. Kobe was the first one there at the hospital. He was the first one to call him. Gordon Hayford suffers that gruesome injury two years ago. And Kobe dedicates what probably took 45 minutes to an hour long of an Instagram post giving him support and saying, I got you, and saying it's going to be okay. You're a tireless worker. Kobe probably – and then I saw a video today. I never even saw it. Matt Barnes was his teammate. And for this kid's 10th birthday last year, Matt Barnes organized a surprise workout with Kobe. And it's just everybody has a story with Kobe. I saw when – uh, his wife was filming, and he and Gigi were at that last game with the Nets where there's that viral video of them talking and him in that orange outfit and the ski cap of how when they're walking in, he's dapping up the ushers like, hey, long time no see, how you been? He knows everybody. And that's in Brooklyn. Profession. But go on. I mean, no, I'm just saying, like, that game was in Brooklyn, if I'm right, right? Yes, that's correct. So the point being that even at an away arena, that, like, that's something where, like, I remember him coming back for, um, I think, the Jersey retirement, where he's walking through and he's like, hey, like, how's it going? Good to see you with, like, every single employee there is. But my yep. point being that he could do that anywhere. And it's – it's it just tells you. I mean, he was – he honestly, I always had him in my top five all-time players, and a lot of people would disagree – for my era of watching basketball, the only guy I'd say is better is LeBron. He'd be the second greatest player I've ever had the chance to watch a full career of. Anyway, Kobe Bryant was somebody that, I mean, he, you, you talked about it, the Mamba mentality. No other player has a specific mindset named after them. Has four fantastic nicknames. And, you know, you got Vino, you got Black Mamba, you got, you got them all. This man grew up in Italy. He, he spoke Italian. On the court, he spoke Spanish to Pau Gasol in crunch time, so no one could figure it out. He trash talks the next great NBA star, Luka Doncic, in Slovenian three, four years into his retirement. This guy is just, he had a hat and everything, and films, and tutoring, and mentoring, and coaching, and parenting, and we always going to remember all nine people. I mean, Gigi is going to be great in basketball, the pilot the Altabellis, but worldwide. He's making headlines in five, six, seven, eight different countries within a day of his passing. California basically stops. They're canceling basketball games. This guy will never be forgotten, and that's why, Stephen, all that said, when I think of Kobe Bryant, I think of, tra- of a transcendent individual. He's number eight, number 24 on the court, but he's wearing number infinity in life. Powerful words. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm speechless about that. You know, that's, um, I think, I think that's been a lot of my processing. It's been like this contrast of like speechless and like just wanting to get my thoughts out there. Like, um, I, I haven't really ever written about basketball or anything I talk about all the time I watch it I consume it but it was like midnight like Sunday night like this has happened and uh my friend Colin like who texted me about the news or talking about it 
Um, he wrote an article for the student newspaper. I read it. It's phenomenal. And I think about like, wow, like I, I want to process this in a way too. And so I like sit on my, like the floor of my room, like against my bed, just on my laptop, just like writing and writing it out. And um, I spent like <laughs> a day or two just tweaking it. Like I created a blog page just to, just to post it there and like formatting was weird and tweaking it. And it's just like, um, I don't know. I think it's important to pay tribute to him, like in any way you can, you know? Yep. And yeah. I, what I'm, I don't think I could bring myself to write a full piece at least yet. So what I'm personally doing, I'm creating a sparkle quiz every day for 24 days with something Kobe related. And I thought, this was the first thing I thought about. I was with my friend Andrew on Sunday with his parents and his brother. We're all sitting at the table talking. And I get the idea to just do a 24 days of Kobe with two hashtags. Hashtag 24 days of Kobe. Hashtag Kobe to forever with uh, the yellow and gold heart. And every day for 24 days, I think it's the best thing I can personally do as somebody that watches basketball all the time that, I write sports articles every single day. I mean, I broadcast games. I'm always seeing basketball, but I always want to remember. So for 24 days, forget about the Super Bowl. Forget about the trade deadline. Forget about the All-Star weekend. It's just Kobe. One Kobe post a day. And I think for me, this is the best way to remember because first off, not many human beings, no matter what they do in life, could you go 24 straight days finding new content and everything is still relevant, but, but he was just exceptional. And I think for me, the, the 24 days of Kobe is my personal way of saying, you know, I never rooted for you until you were 37 years old and scoring 60 against the jazz, but thank you for everything. And thank you for just changing the game. And thank you for inspiring billions. And I can't, I don't know if I can really say billions, but I would say tens of millions of people, in their lifetime were affected by the basketball career and the life of Kobe Bryant. That, that's my way of saying thank you. Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, I was thinking about the impact he had like for basketball players and fans, but just the more I've seen tributes just from, from everywhere, from like all these different like late night hosts and celebrities and um, just I think all these people that you, I don't know, you never necessarily think they had like a Kobe story interaction with them. They do. And just, I'm thinking about all the Kobe stories out there in terms of people that have been inspired and impacted by him and seeing internationally, like um, um, in Europe, um, like South America, like all these places that he was such a, a figure there, you know, I think that, yep. I think he's really one of the most powerful like international figures we've ever had in sports. And no doubt. It's, I think he's united a lot of people in a way in that. I think there's been different people love him, people hate him, people respect him, but he's, he's made an impact on everyone. And I think... That's just, I don't know. It's just why it's important to remember him. You know, I'm still no. It's, word. I'm impressed that we were able to talk for 67 minutes about Kobe because 
most of my conversations about it, I try and shut down after five minutes. I just don't yeah. want to go any farther. <laughs> you know, you're the you're the person I'd want to do that with. You know, you too, man. Always, we watch the game together. Um, some of my favorite NBA experiences have come with you, man, yeah. and I'm glad with you. Uh, you had some time, and we're able to get some of our thoughts out. And again, you had a beautiful article. I really enjoyed reading it. And um, I, this is going to be hard for a long time, but the next time I see you, I know we're both. I did get a Kobe shirt actually yesterday on the street in the city. Really? They were selling yeah. them ten dollars. Wow. And it's got Gigi and Kobe on the front of the picture. The two of them with their Years on earth and their names and on the back, it's every single Kobe accolade. Mm. And uh, ordered one online. But, you know, next time we see each other, man, there's no question that the first thing we're going to talk about after we catch up is how you do, how you do, how you doing in regards to Kobe. There's, there's no question. Yeah. It's been, Stephen, pleasure having you today. And I'm glad we're able to get on and, and talk about one of the greatest to ever don a uniform. Of any kind. Me too, Zach. Thanks for having me. Thank um, you. I'm looking forward to the next time we see each other, next time we catch up, and you know, sharing sharing all we can about the rest of the season together. You know, talking about the game tomorrow night, All Star Game, playoffs, finals. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, Stephen, take care. You too. All right, bye. And this has been the latest edition of Across the Cavs. I'm Zach. That is Stephen Johnson. And we will see you hopefully next week, maybe if the Cavs make any moves to the deadline. But again, RIP Kobe. Kobe Bryant will be dominating headlines for a long time in the media, in personal lives, and with across the Cavs as well.